Well, friends, welcome to day number 13 of Bible in the Year with Pastor Steve. I cannot believe that we are finishing up Genesis today. So by the end of this podcast, you will have read through 20% of the Torah, which is the first five scrolls, also referred to as the Pentateuch. Torah means teaching, and we are going to be wrapping up the beginnings of that teaching And then we're going to jump into Exodus chapter number one and see how what was wrapped up in Genesis is now moving forward in the book of Exodus. And we're going to see how God's promises continue to push forward. You should also have read today Psalm number 13 and Proverb number 13. This is a great way for you to continue to steep in praise and worship and, of course, God's wisdom. So today... I encourage you all, if you have not done so already, to subscribe to this podcast on your listening platform of choice and to join us on the Bible in a Year Facebook page so that you can continue the conversation, ask questions, and generally just enjoy the community that is Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve. But without further ado, let's jump into our readings. Genesis chapter 49. Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble yourselves and hear, you sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, excelling in dignity and excelling in power. Boiling over like water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers, their swords are weapons of violence. My soul, don't come into their council. My glory, don't be united to their assembly. For in their anger they killed men. In their self-will they hamstrung cattle. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, as a lioness. Who will rouse him up? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs. The obedience of the peoples will be to him, binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes, His eyes will be red with wine, his teeth white with milk. Zebulun will dwell at the haven of the sea. He will be for a haven of ships. His border will be on Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, lying down between the saddlebags. He saw a resting place that it was good, the land that it was pleasant. He bows his shoulder to the burden and becomes a servant doing forced labor. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a serpent on the trail, an adder in the path, that bites the horse's heels, so that his rider falls backward. I have waited for your salvation, Yahweh. A troop will press on, Gad, but he will press on their heel. Asher's food will be rich, he will produce royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe set free, who bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine by a spring. 
His branches run over the wall. The archers have severely grieved him, shot at him, and persecuted him. But his bow remained strong. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you. With blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have prevailed above the blessings of your ancestors, above the boundaries of the ancient hills. They will be on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the head of him who is separated from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he will devour the prey. At evening he will divide the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what the Father spoke to them and blessed them. He blessed everyone according to his own blessing. He instructed them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is in Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is therein, which was purchased from the children of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he gathered up his feet into bed, breathed his last, and was gathered for his people. Genesis chapter 50 Joseph fell on his father's face, wept on him, and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were used for him, for that is how many of the days it takes to embalm. The Egyptians wept for Israel for seventy days. When the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to Pharaoh's staff, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying. Bury me in my grave, which I have dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come again. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, just like he made you swear. Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the Pharaoh's servants, the elders of the house, all the elders of the land of Egypt, all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. Both chariots and horsemen went up with him. It was a very great company. They came to the threshing floor of Etad, which is beyond the Jordan, and there they lamented with a great and severe lamentation. He mourned his father for seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of the Etad, they said, This is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore its name is called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. His sons did to him just as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field, as a possession for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite near Mamre. Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brothers, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and will fully pay us back for the evil which we did to him. They sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father commanded before he died, saying, You shall tell Joseph, Now please forgive the disobedience of your brothers and all of their sin, because they did evil to you. 
Now please forgive the disobedience of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to save many people alive, as it is happening today. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph lived in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph took an oath from the children, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Exodus chapter 1 Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the souls who came out of Jacob's body were seventy souls, and Joseph was in Egypt already. Joseph died, as did all of his brothers, and all that generation. The children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, who didn't know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, The people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let's deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it happened that when any war breaks out, they also join themselves to our enemies and fight against us and escape out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. They built storage cities for Pharaoh, Pitham, and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out. They started to dread the children of Israel. The Egyptians ruthlessly made the children of Israel serve, and they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, and in all kinds of service in the field, all their service in which they ruthlessly made them serve. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When you perform the duty of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stool. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and didn't do what the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the baby boys alive. The king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the boys alive? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, You shall cast every son who is born into the river, and every daughter you shall save. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you that you are a God of promise, one who walks alongside of us, steadies us, and brings about your will, regardless of the circumstances and the plots of those against us. And Sometimes you even save us from ourselves. 
Lord, be with us as we continue in your word today. Help us to see your promises marching forward to the point where your son, Jesus Christ, will come and fulfill your will for us and the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, as we wrap up the book of Genesis, or the scroll of Genesis, as the Jewish people would refer to it as, we see some things coming to an end. We see the end of Jacob's life, and then later the end of Joseph's life, and sets us up for uh, going to the book of Exodus. Now, in Genesis chapter 49, we see straight away that Jacob calls for all of his sons to come together so that he can deliver uh, what you would think is a blessing, but is actually more of a prophecy that has some condemnations and some blessings baked into it, depending on how the sons kind of lived their lives. Reuben, for example, who defiled his father's bed by sleeping with his wife, Jacob's wife, well, he was condemned, he said, turbulent are going to be your waters. You're no longer going to excel because you did this dastardly thing. Similarly, for Simeon and Levi, if you remember the story there in Exodus chapter 34, they took matters into their own hands when their sister Dinah was raped, essentially, and they devised that crazy plan to circumcise all the people and then kill them all. And what did Jacob have to say here? Cursed be their anger. It's so fierce. Their fury is so cruel that he's going to scatter them in Israel. Now, my favorite is when we get to Judah. It says, Judah, your brothers are going to praise you. Your hand's going to be on the neck of your enemies and your father's sons. They're going to worship you. They're going to bow down to you and yield to you. But the best part is starting at verse 10, where Jacob says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until the one whom it belongs comes and the obedience of the nations shall be his. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you'll know about King David. Uh, King David wrote most of those Psalms that you're reading. Uh, but King David was the quintessential king that God placed over Israel and made a covenant with him. We call this the, the Davidic covenant, that your kingdom will reign forever. And it's through your kingdom that the Messiah will come through. That's how it's going to reign forever. So here, Jacob, or Israel, is prophesying the coming of the Messiah through the tribe of Judah. Now, as that chapter rounds out, we see there's the death of Jacob finally comes to pass. He says, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Please bring me to the place that Abraham bought where he buried Sarah and where Isaac and Rebekah, my parents are, and where I buried my wife, Leah. So they agree to this, and it is done. In chapter 50, he cries when his father dies, and he, and he makes a plea to Pharaoh to let him and his family go and bury Jacob where he had asked. And Pharaoh says, sure, you go ahead and do what you need to do. And they brought everyone. There was guards and chariots, and all of Israel's family went with them except for the little ones and the cattle, they, they stayed behind. But everyone else went to go on this funeral procession. Now, after Jacob dies, the brothers are a little worried. You know, maybe Joseph was just being kind to us because dad was around. Maybe now that dad's gone, Joseph is going to wreak havoc on us and get his revenge on us. 
So they come and they lie down before him again. Again, that's a fulfillment of the prophecy of young Joseph when he had those dreams of his brothers bowing down to him. It's another occurrence of that. And he reassures them, don't be afraid. I'm not in the place of God. I will be kind to you. Don't worry. And then finally, at the end of chapter 50 and the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph, too, is on his deathbed. And he says to his brothers, guess what? My time is up. I'm about to die. But rest assured, God will be with you and he will take you to the land that he had promised through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What God has promised, God will do. In Exodus chapter 1, we see a hyperlink right away showing that there's continuity between Genesis and Exodus. That those 12 sons of Israel, they were in Egypt. The author names them all out here. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, the whole gang is here. And that they numbered 70. Now this was to show once again that through a very small number, God was able to bless the land. They multiplied. They were fruitful. They're fulfilling that Abrahamic covenant that's been handed down. And there's a note starting at verse 7 that, that the Israelites were so fruitful, they multiplied so much that they were innumerous and that they filled the whole land of Egypt. And because of that, the Pharaoh, who was a new Pharaoh, by the way, had no idea who Joseph was or any of the arrangements that they had. He becomes jealous. He becomes fearful because they are so numerous that he worries if there's a war, they're going to ally with the the enemies, and maybe even escape. And then they're going to be left without their goods, and they're going to be left without the people there that are serving their nation. Wouldn't be a good situation. So what does he do? He puts slave masters over them. He enslaves them to oppress them with hard labor. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they prospered. Because what God has put into motion, God will ensure happens. He says, I'm going to bless you, and I'll bless those who bless you, but I'll curse those who curse you. God is a God of his words. So then Pharaoh escalates things a bit, and he goes to the midwives who deliver all of the babies in Egypt, and he says, if there is a Hebrew person who's giving birth, you need to kill the son so that they cannot reproduce amongst themselves. We need to stall out this number of people. But the midwives, they feared God, it says, and they allowed the boys to live. Pharaoh confronted them and said, you know what? I can't believe you did this. Now all of the firstborn males, all of the, actually all of the born males need to be thrown into the river. But the girls you should allow to live. And this is going to tee up the next story, which will be the birth of Moses. God's answer to all of the groanings from the Israelites who have been enslaved now, who are enduring hardship. Moses is going to be the one who brings about God's redemption from this bad situation, the rescue to go move back to the promised land where he, that he promised to give them so that they might go to the promised land. That God had promised them. Friends, Exodus is going to be a very exciting chapter. We're going to see how Moses is called to buck up against Pharaoh and lead all of the people out of Egypt 
and toward the promised land. There's going to be many years of wandering around for various reasons, and it's a preparation period as well for the Israelites so that they might come into a relationship with the God who created them and have and has sustained them. As the saga of Jacob and Joseph has wrapped up here in Genesis, I hope that you really lean into those words that Joseph told his brothers, that what you intended for the bad, God has used for the good. Friends, life is a journey of ups and downs. Even when you choose to follow Jesus, nothing is guaranteed to be smooth. It's not always sunshine and lollipops, as they say. But God is with us. God will take what was intended for harm against us and use it for our good. He's interested in seeing us become perfected in his image and draw closer in relationship to him and to the world, our neighbors. So friends, continue to press on. I pray that you'll be with me again tomorrow as we jump into Exodus chapter 2 and beyond. May God bless you for the rest of this day. And I hope that you will continue to pray for and encourage one another. But until then, God bless.